to the ball game. Take me out with the crowd. Buy me some peanuts and cracker jack. I don't care if we never get back. Let me root, root, root for the home team. The Yankees. Win, we root for the Yankees. No. Last week I stood on this stage and I felt a little embarrassed because uh, Major League Baseball threw us a curveball, right? With the delay of spring training. But the Lord has answered the prayer of a pastor and they've agreed to play ball. Amen? Come on, you know it's good day. The sound of the ball cracking on the bat, Cracker Jacks, hot dogs. Wow. Hey, how many of you went to the to the, the basketball game Friday night? Spurs family faith night, right? Coach Pop, right? Won his, it said the record for winning his coaches in basketball history. That's great. Many of you were there and heard David Robinson share a word afterwards. It's a great day. We're glad you're here today. We're going to continue in this series entitled Curveball, right? It's baseball season. And what the enemy meant for evil, the Lord has turned it for good. It is starting. Hallelujah. He wants to do that in your life as, as well. We talked about what a curveball means in the game of baseball. Most hitters, if they're worth anything, are, are able to pick up on the velocity and the movement of, of, of a pitcher's, probably his number one pitch, a fastball. But a pitcher is, is especially smart and, and it becomes crafty when he begins to work in his arsenal other pitches besides the fastball. When he began to, as we say, spin it or place it or throw something off speed here or there, it can make the best of hitters look foolish in the front of spectators. Amen? Um, I, I bear witness to that very thing. Every good hitter would tell you it's hard to hit a good curveball. And uh, I must admit, I swung and I missed many a times. But as we talked about last week, it's not how many times you swing and miss, but it's will you get back in that box and pick the bat up once again, right? right. Amen. It's not the knockdown that defines you, but it's the, the get up that defines you. Amen. Life is like a curveball, is it not? So many of us have our lives mapped out. We've got a plan. We've got our, our kids' futures planned. We celebrate with the Dunaway family, a new baby boy coming, and they're already dreaming names and dreams and visions. You've got your, your schedules mapped out this week. We've got spring break plans ready from Mexico to Bulverde, right? But what do you do when, when life just doesn't go according to your plans? What do you do when, when there's a curveball that's thrown your way? Something just looks odd. It, it's, your life begins to maybe spin in a different way and maybe even out of control. What will you do? How will you respond? Some of you right now are in a situation like that. You're in a season. You're in a trial. You're in a struggle. And, and, and you would never have wished it upon yourself. But you find yourself there, right? We just kind of warned everybody last week that if you're not there, get ready because it will come, right? Jesus says in John chapter 16, verse 33, in this world, you will have trouble. You will have those curveballs of life that will come your way. How will you respond? He would say, take heart because I've overcome that. Come on. How many of you guys know that God is greater than any struggle, trial, difficulty, storm of life that you might face? Amen. You've lived that. 
Hopefully, you've already got some experiences you stored up within you that prove that very thing. If you don't find yourself in a difficult season right now, prepare yourself because it will come. None of us are immune from the difficulties that come our way. Hmm. Curveballs. How will we respond? You know, we, 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 we live in a jacked up world, do we not? H- have you ever wondered, um, why do bad things happen to good people? You ever thought that? And, 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 and why, do, why, do, why do bad guys oftentimes get off, right? Why does the criminal continue or the bad person or the person that, why can they continue to go through life unscathed when there's an innocent child that suffers harm? Life is jacked up, is it not? And I, and I think that just speaks to the sin issue in our culture today, that, 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 that sin just doesn't make sense. And, and I've oftentimes been just perplexed at this person is doing the right thing, but yet look at this adversity that's come their way. When I look over here and see that, well, if we're not careful, we can begin to just wonder, where's God in the midst of it all? I don't know what you're going through in life today, but today I want us to look at the Bible. I want to look at an individual in Scripture. Are you guys okay with the Word of God today here at 1910? It's not just today, but it's every day. We're going to use God's Word. But, but today, I want to encourage you with, with an individual in Scripture. And, and, and I don't know what you're walking through in life. I don't know how difficult your season is. I don't know what curveball you've been thrown and, and what you're facing right now. But it, it, it might be fairly safe for me to say that your situation is not as bleak and dismal as an individual that I'm going to point out to you today in Scripture. In fact, this, this, this gentleman, during his time, Scripture tells us that there was no one like him. It says that he was blameless and he was upright. He had done nothing wrong. But yet when we open up the Old Testament and we read from the book of Job, we're going to read about a story of a man named Job who faced tremendous setbacks. But what you will learn if you will read this, these 42 chapters, and I'm going to do that for us here today, so I hope that you grabbed a snack on your... I'm not going to do that, I promise you, but, but you can read it. I've already marked the pages in some little kids as they were walking through. They brought their Bibles. I love it when I see children bringing the Word of God into the house of God. Amen. Some of us older children might need to practice that a little bit more too. I'm just saying. But anyway, but, but maybe you can spend some time reading about Job this week because Job serves as a reminder to us that even as difficult as life might get, even as many setbacks and struggles that you may face, listen, listen, there's always hope. This man persevered. This man was patient. He trusted God. He endured to the end. And what looks bleak and dismal in chapter one, come chapter 42, when you read how the story ends, you're going to see how God is faithful and how Job was faithful. Are you with me here today? I want to read to you beginning in verse one, and I'm not going to read all 42 chapters, I promise, but, but there are some key things that I want to share with us today that might just pique your interest and cause you to want to dive into the word of God in your personal time this week. Verse one says, there was a man named Job who lived in the land of Uz. He was blameless. Whoa. That doesn't mean that he was perfect. We know that there is no one who is 
sinless. There's actually one person that's lived on earth that is sinless. His name, of course, is Jesus, right? But, but, but he was blameless, it says. He was, meaning he was a man of complete integrity. It says that Job feared God, and he stayed away from evil. Now, now when it says that Job feared God, it didn't mean that Job was afraid of God and cowered in a corner like, no, no, no. It means that he had a healthy respect much like a child might have a healthy respect for, for their father that, that leads them to want to obey and please that father, that's Job. Job knew who God was. Job was a man of faith. He had this healthy view, this reverent view of God. He wanted to honor God. He wanted to be obedient to God in all of his life. And scripture says that he stayed away from evil. Oh, to be like Job. Are you with me today, 11 o'clock? Job was a blessed man. Look what it says. He had seven sons and three daughters. You may not consider that a blessing. That might be a curse to you. But in his day and time, it, it's kind of a man's family and his wealth. And what he had, he says that he had not only 10 kids, but he owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 teams of oxen, and 500 female donkeys. He also had many servants. He was, in fact, the richest person in that entire area. And this is a great story, is it not? It turns for the worse, not long after I just finished with those words I share with you. Because what we find is as blessed as Job is, wow, the enemy comes and begins to attack him and bring upon him setbacks and struggles and difficulty. What you're going to find as you read through the story of Job, you're going to find that, that all of those things that I just described to you, those oxen, those donkeys, and those sheep, they're taken by, by intruders that raid Job's area. Lightning strikes his sheep and kills them all. Those 10 kids that he had, right? They're all together in a house when a windstorm comes and collapses the walls and kills all of them just in a moment in a blink of an eye, what Job had, the wealthiest person, the richest person in that area, everything he owned was gone. Makes sense to why King Solomon would, would write words like we read in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 9, that people can never predict when hard times might come, like fish in a net or birds in a trap. People are caught by sudden tragedy. That's Ecclesiastes chapter 9. Verse 12, wow, it was gone just like that. In the blink of an eye, Job lost it all. As you read through the book of Job, there's some key things that I want to point out to you today that, that I think that are important for, for us to understand. First of all, God is, 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 is sovereign. Can we fast forward to the next screen, please? God is sovereign with some things, and, and the, the word of the Lord reminds us of God's sovereign. In fact, it says that the Lord asked Satan, have you noticed my servant Job? He's the finest man in all the earth. He's blameless, and he's a man of complete integrity. He fears God, and he stays from evil, right? Listen, Job was blameless, God had found no fault in Job. Listen, you need to understand that today because we live in a culture today sometimes that says, hey, listen, you, you, you're going through a difficult season. You're facing something adverse. You must have done something to deserve that. 
Now, listen, I know that sometimes we can make some bad choices and suffer the repercussions of those things, right? Sometimes what we go through in life is our own fault, right? Come on, anybody ever incurred some stuff? You've done some stuff and you've suffered. Come, get, get your hands up. Come on. Thank you. Thank you. We're in church, right? But Job was not at fault, it says here in Scripture. But even in the midst of what Job finds himself going through that you're going to read about in these 42 chapters, you need to understand something. As bad as it got for Job, God was still sovereign. I want to encourage some, somebody with this today. Don't ever forget that God is on the throne, okay? And that he's in control of every situation you face in life. Not only is God sovereign, not only was Job blameless, but you need to understand, understand something. Satan is real and he's on the loose, <laughs> You see, that's what happens with Job. It wasn't that God was out to punish Job. It's just that there was an enemy that was out to try to, to distract and tear Job down. Satan had this thought. He said, God, listen, Job's so good and Job is blameless and upright because you must pay him to be like that. You've blessed him. Isn't that how we think? That if somebody has a lot of stuff, they have a lot of what we say is favor, a lot of they own. We, we just think that, hey, God's just... Maybe they just might be living right. Listen, Job was living right, but yet lost everything. And Satan thought that he could, could prove God was wrong. And God de declared that in verse 8 that his man was blameless and upright. Listen, you need to know the enemy's real. And he's on the loose. In fact, he's not contained in hell right now. He will live there one day forever. But 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 says you need to stay alert and you need to watch out because there is an enemy that is on the prowl. He's the devil. He's like a roaring lion. He's looking for someone to devour, right? Satan is real. He's on the loose. Job had done nothing, as it says there in, 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 in chapter 1, verse 8, that he's blameless. He's a man of complete integrity, Scripture says. He fears the Lord. He stays away from evil. But I think that you're also going to find as you work through this that, that God uses our struggles oftentimes for his good. Hey, listen, can I just share something with you today? None of us listening to these words today are immune from trials and difficulties. You all will face it. What I'm trying to paint for you right now is that Job had done nothing wrong he was blameless. He was a man of integrity. He had a man that had a healthy fear of God. He had done nothing wrong, but yet what you find over the next 40 chapters is his life spiraling out of control. Now, I want you to hang on with me today because I want to encourage you with some words that I think might just help you in the season that maybe you find yourself in also. Because you see hopelessness where God may see an opportunity. You, you heard me say it last week. What you see as a setback, God sees as a set up. And maybe you're going through some adversity right now. And God in this process is preparing you for something you can't even fathom. You can't wrap your mind around at this moment. But he knows your future. He knows your plan. He knows what he wants to do through your life. And so right now, right now, come on in this season. Oh, he's preparing you for something great. Is that not good news? You're going to find that as you read through the book of Job. You're going to find that God oftentimes uses our struggle for our good and for his 
glory, right? In fact, let me just ask you a question. When's the last time you looked back through an adversity that you went through in life and you just said, you know what, to God be the glory for all of this, right? Now, no one would say that probably in the midst of it. It's hard. Some, for some of us, we're just trying to, 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 to find the light at the end of the tunnel. The fog is so thick right now, and we're wondering, will, will it ever break? Will I ever see the sun again? I'm going to tell you something. Hang on, because Jesus is still there. He's still there with you in the midst of whatever junk and funk you find yourself in today. For 40 chapters, we find Job going through some difficulties. And as we go through his story and we read about it time and time again, you're going to find that there is nothing that can come into your life that is outside of God's control. Wow. Chapter one, Job loses all of his wealth and the enemy begins in chapter two to attack his health. Job's feeling down and like he really wants to die. Yet what you're going to find throughout the chat, this book of this man, Job, is that you're going to find him never cursing or blaming God. And, and, and I love in Job chapter 1, verses 21 and 22, we find a response that Job had in the midst of his adversity that just might be the very reason you came here today. That this might be the very thing that sees you through this season. Job says, I came naked from my mother's womb and I will be naked when I leave. The Lord gave me what I had and the Lord has taken it away. And then look what Job does in the midst of all his adversity. He says, praise the name of the Lord. Some translations say, blessed be the name of the Lord. Let me ask you a question. Do you praise, do you worship when you find yourself in the midst of the curveballs of life? You see, that's the response of this man, Job, this man who was blameless, this man who was faithful, this man who was full of integrity. You find this man after losing everything he has, his wealth, he's about to lose his health, you find him worshiping. That, that, that might be just the secret sauce for you right now. As you go through this struggle and difficulty in life, get your praise on. Get your praise on. You know worship changes the atmosphere. It does. I know some of you like Yellowstone. But I'm telling you, worship's better. I know you like to surround yourself with friends and groups of people that are for you. I'm telling you, the presence of God is so much better even than that. Amen? I love this reminder here that in the midst of losing it all, this faithful man, Job, worships. In chapter 2, the enemy attacks the man physically. Job begins to suffer tremendous health setbacks, insomnia, skin diseases, so many things begin to affect him physically. As if losing your family and everything you own was not enough, his wealth, the enemy comes and begins to attack his health. And we find these words in Job chapter two, beginning in verse nine, Job's wife, like so many of us, 
has this attitude that, Job, there's something in your life. There's some sin that must be present. Look at everything that's happening to you. His wife said to him, why are you, are, are you still trying to maintain your integrity? Job, why don't you just curse God and die? Ladies, that's not a great line to use with your husband. I just want to tell you something that is, don't, don't learn from this what not to do, right? Job, there's something about you. We've lost everything. You're, you're, you're even dying. You're fading away right now. Why don't you just curse God? And if you would do that, no, curse, no. Job replied, you, you talk like a foolish woman. And men, I would encourage you not to use those words to your wife as well. Should we accept only good things from the hand of God and never anything bad? Oof. It's easy for us to praise and worship when things are good, isn't it? But what do you do in the valleys? What do you do when life, John, has thrown you a curveball? Renee, what will you do when things don't go your way and there's a setback? Will you still see God in the midst of all of this? And Job in all of this still said nothing wrong. You know, I don't know about you, but in the season of my struggle that I found myself in, I, I oftentimes ask myself, how can I get out of this situation? You ever been, done that? How can I get out of this? You don't like the pit you're in. You don't like the disruption, the, the dysfunction happening around you. And I think our knee-jerk reaction for so many of us is, is, how can I get out of this? But I love Job's response. And this is probably a more, a more better, a better question. <laughs> That's improper. A, a better question for us to ask ourselves. It's, it's not how can I get out of this, but what can I get out of this? You see, I believe that even in adversity and even in our struggle and in the midst of us finding ourselves in a curveball type of situation, God is wanting to teach us something in the midst of that. And it's not how can I get out of it? Because listen, you, you, you might be getting out of something that God's trying to do something for your good. Listen, we know that God is able to turn the, the bad things to life and work it for our good, right? Romans 8, 28, right? But what can I get out of this? Can, can, can you obey God in your current situation, knowing that God is working things for your good? Wow. Hey, listen, no one would have blamed Columbus for turning around and heading back home. They wouldn't have blamed him. But if he had done that, they wouldn't have remembered him either, would they? And right now in your difficulty, God is doing something. He is shaping you. He is working. God, what can I get out of this? God, what can I learn? Maxwell says, you learn some. No, you win some and you. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's what he says. Take her word for it. You win some and you learn some. You see, this book doesn't make sense to me because Joe, I'm so not like Job. I would want to get out of it. And I would probably look to my wife. But she's going to say, curse God and die, bro. I don't like that. So then Job would do what I would probably do. I would turn to people around me, my friends. Job did that. And if you'll read the, the book, you're going to find that, well, that didn't go so well for him either, did it? 
Now, these friends probably started out well. They had good intentions. In fact, it says when you read the story that they traveled a great distance to be with their friend that was hurting, they found this man. You know where Job goes? Job leaves his city. He leaves his home and he goes outside the city to the ash heap where they burn trash, where dogs come and, 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 and hunt for just a morsel of food to eat. It's where the dung of the city is thrown and it's burned there. This wealthiest man in his area, this man who is blameless and and upright, has now found himself in such a situation that he's sitting in the town dump. His friends find him there. They're good friends. For seven days, they go and sit with him in silence and just weep with him. They're there for their friend. Hey, can I just tell you something real quick? Just an aside real quick. The best way to help people who are hurting is sometimes just to be with them. You know, people people say the craziest things when when people die. In fact, I always always encourage people if they've lost a lot, hey, just get ready. People want to say some dumb things right now. Just, can I just tell you something real quick? Sometimes when you find a friend that's hurting, the best thing you can do for them is just to be present. And just to sit there and not try to figure it out and try to solve it for them. In fact, that's what Job's friends did for seven days. They, they, they just sat there with him in the trash pile. But then they begin to try to use their logic and they begin to try to figure it out. Job, why are you in this situation? Job, your wife's talked to us and... <laughs> Maybe you've done something. Job, surely you've done something to inflict this wrath of God. Hey, listen, logic doesn't heal a broken heart, but love does. And you don't have to try to figure it out for people. But you can love people. You can love people. In Job chapter 19, real quick, we got a lock and load. In Job chapter 19, his friends are coming at him and questioning him, all three of them, man, good people, but yet they're attacking him and they're making him feel like he's caused something, this sin in his life. And they're, you know, Job, there's something wrong about you. You're just a little off. And I love what Job says. He says, Job spoke to them. He said, how long are you going to torture me? And this is about 10 or 12 chapters in this story. How long are you guys going to sit here and torture me? How long will you try to crush me with your words? You've already insulted me 10 times. You should be ashamed of treating me so badly. Even if I have sinned, that is my concern and it's not yours. (laughs) Job's kind of throwing it back and then saying, hey, listen, if I have sinned, that's between me and God. That's none of your business. How many of you know that our words can either heal someone or hurt someone? Out of this same mouth, we can be good medicine or we can be bad medicine. There's a good song about that probably, right? We can heal somebody or we can hurt them, right? Where are you at? Job's friends are there and they're coming at him. There's something you must I love what Abraham Lincoln, I was in D.C. this week and I got to go to the Lincoln. I've never been to D.C. Absolutely incredible. I was there to try to figure it all out and solve it all, but I didn't make any headway. I'm so sorry. But, but I love these words. Abraham Lincoln was one of the most incredible moments this weekend for me. And, and I love what Lincoln says. He says, he has a right to criticize who has a heart to help. Do you qualify for that? 
Do you have a heart to help people in their misery, in their difficult seasons, in their difficult times? Someone that you know that's going through a struggle right now, are your words helping them? Are your words hurting them? They're my friend. Listen, but I'm just going to tell you, yeah, yeah. We're to speak the truth, but Scripture says to do it in love. (laughs) In love. Not with critical spirit, not with condemnation, but for the benefit and trying to help. You see, that's when Job's relationship with his friends goes sideways in this book. Read it. It's an awesome story. Now, it doesn't stay that way because they ultimately understand their fault and there's restoration of the relationship. And, and oh, by the way, the story, I'm just going to spoil it for you. In chapter 42, because Job is a man of God and he patiently endures everything that you read about in his book, God blesses him, blesses him with more than he had before. Gives him 10 more kids. Oof. Again, blessing or curse, that's up to you. But, but he blesses him with, with even more. He lives for another 140 years. He sees four generations after this situation in his life. Why? Because Job remained faithful. It's hard to be faithful. And curveballs are thrown at us though, isn't it? Come on. It's hard for me curveball in my life. It's hard for me to say, golly, I just want to, man, I want to fight back. I want to, I want to throw hands, right? Right? God says, you just be faithful. I've not left you. And here's some takeaways for you that, that for me, that just mean the world. Sometimes God comes to us in the clouds. We, we, we all think that the Christian life means full days of sunshine and rolling waves on the beach and the sound of those crashing waves and there's there's no cedar or oak in the air and you know the the flowers are in full bloom and you know there's and there are days like that in our lives right but and God can speak and work in those moments but but don't miss those cloudy moments of life either don't miss the stormy Seasons in which God is still wanting to teach you and show you something. In, in fact, I, I think that we get to know God better through the trials of life. Again, if your perspective is, what can I learn from this? Not how can I get out of it, but, but what can I learn? Listen, I believe that God wants to shape you and mold you even in the fire. Hey, listen, three Hebrew teenagers, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were pretty rock solid, were they not, before Nebuchadnezzar threw them into the fiery furnace? But I'm telling you, I think that when those three Hebrew teenagers came out, they were more lit and on fire for Jesus than they ever were before the trial, right? Don't miss those furnace moments. Don't miss the trial. Don't miss that health setback because it just Well, Matt, it might be a setup. It might be a setup for God to do something in your life that you don't see right now, bro. James chapter 5, it's allergy season, as you can tell here. Stormy. James 5, 11 says, we give great honor to those who endure under suffering. For instance, this man, Job, 
He's a man of great endurance, and that's what I want to encourage you to have today. You can see how the Lord was kind to him, and at the end, for the Lord is full of tenderness and mercy. Again, I told you God blessed Joe because he endured. He remained faithful. He shunned evil. He never cursed God. Listen, Hebrews 12, 11 says this. There's no discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who have been trained in this way. Are you in the fire right now? I'll give you two words. Patiently endure. You wait on God. He's not left you. He's there. Even you can't see him and you don't know how it's going to happen. Come on, for 40 chapters, Job's probably wondering, hey, when's this going to end? Curse God and die. Job, you're the reason. No. I'm going to trust you, God. I'm going to be faithful because I know that you're faithful. Patiently endure. And see the blessing of God come on your life. Would you stand with me today? Our ministry team is going to come down front and they're going to stand. And today I want you to know that they want to pray with you over anything you're facing. They're going to remain after the service, but I want to pray over you right now. Father, I want to pray right now for the person that's listening today that feels like the tsunami of life is just too much to handle. God, I pray that they would steal a script from the man named Job. God, that they would patiently endure. God, that they would remain faithful. God, that they would have this attitude of, of, of what can I learn from this? What can I get out of this season in my life? God, from that person today that's been throwing a curveball, that something unexpected has come their way, may they be reminded that what the enemy has meant for evil, you're able to turn it for good. That what may seem like a setback could actually be a set up for you to do something incredible in their lives. God, may someone today be encouraged by a man named Job who lost his wealth, his health. He lost it all, but he never lost his God. He was faithful, and you were faithful. I pray blessing over everyone in this room. In fact, I want to close with this blessing over you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Everybody said amen. Thank you, guys. You're dismissed.